Welcome to the Ministry Marks Podcast. I'm David Haynes, and I'm joined by Thomas Majors. And Thomas, guess what? It's Christmas time! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) It is a good day to be experiencing Christmas. Oh, we love Christmas time. Now, Thomas, I'm looking outside. There's no snow on the ground right now in Holly Baptist Church, but hopefully it'll be here in just a day or two. We'll have us a good snow, and it'll be a good, fun time. So our topic today, if you can't tell already, is... Christmas. We want to discuss the Christmas story. So Thomas, get us started. We are talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. And and I think, David, and even as we were talking about this before, you came uh, with this from a different approach that the Christmas story begins even before what we would normally say the Christmas story. And I would, I would completely agree yeah, with that. I was saying that the Christmas story really begins. The first mention of it might even be back in the garden of Eden, whenever God had his plan in place and we see the fall of mankind, which the result is the Christmas story, Jesus yeah. coming as a sacrifice. What verse from Genesis would you say the Christmas story is? Oh, that right there is a really good thought. I would say Genesis one, one is whenever it all gets started there, buddy in the beginning. For me, in my mind, I go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where God begins to give his prophecy that there will become a seed of woman who will come and destroy the works of Satan, or I think as the passage says, that he will stomp on his head. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that's called the proto-euangelion, you know, the first gospel, the first time the gospel is presented. So that's where, that's where I yeah. would go with that. But there are other passages in the Old Testament that tell about the birth of Jesus as well. Is that correct? Uh, Sure. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. There are other uh, verses in the book of Isaiah that lead to that. Sure, absolutely. On this podcast, we're talking about the Christmas story, and we just want to go through and discuss all the various issues, I guess you could say, that's related to Christmas. And so when we when we're thinking about Christmas, we're talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. We're not, ta- we're not talking about Santa Claus today. We're not talking about reindeer and other things. We're talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. And so when was the birth of Jesus? And was it in 0 AD? Was it in the very first year? Is that when it was? Yeah, because what what is it? Uh, Anno Domini, I think, in the right. year of our Lord, and, That's right. and everybody would say that is zero. But typically, uh, people don't look at it. Scholars say that it wasn't really zero A.D. As I was preparing for this podcast, uh, I read some that would say four B.C., some that would say six B.C. Uh, maybe I've even heard one or two B.C. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, some of the I think most of the scholarly census is around, I'm wanting to think it's 7 to 5 BC or 6 to 4 BC. And so for me, I I say it has to be before 4 BC or right around 4 BC. And the main reason for that is because Herod dies in 4 BC. And so Herod, as far as I know, has not come back from the dead it has to be before his death, and his death is dated to 4 B.C., and so it has to be sometime before that, 6 to 4 B.C. Dionysius was a monk, and he is the one who started calculating back and came up with this idea of before Christ and 
Anno Domini, which is in the year of our Lord. Dionysius miscalculated somewhere along the way, and he meant for it to be at zero BC. But by the time it came to light that there was a miscalculation, it was already placed in motion. He was already dead. The best time that we could probably say as far as year goes is, and and I like to give a span six to four BC. Yeah, yeah. I think that right there sounds really good, Thomas. So now that we've kind of established a, a date, what about the season? That's what I want to ask you now. What what season? I mean, this is Christmas. This is winter. Jesus. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm so happy winter, it's right? Christmas. That's, it had to have been winter. Oh, Thomas, that makes me go back to years ago. I was serving the first church I'd ever served as pastor, and I was going to do a series on facts about Christmas. And one of the guys stopped me before the service. He was so much fun. His name was Bill. And Bill came up to me and he said, Brother David, he said, please, after this service is over with, please don't make us start having our Christmas parties in the middle of March. <laughs> <laughs> so I always think of Bill Hodges whenever I think about what time of the year it was. So now we've kind of established a a certain year. Thomas, I've always been taught it was most likely in the spring or the summer, early summer of the year, because the shepherds were in the field at night. Now, what were you taught? Yeah, I was taught the same thing. I was taught that shepherds did not have their sheep in the field and they would not stay out there in the winter months, that they did so at certain times of the year. So this kind of constrains the time that these shepherds would have been in the field. So it's probably spring, probably around springtime. That's usually what I say. The birthing season, that's why they would be there overnight, you would think. That's exactly right. And so I'm thinking it's probably around springtime instead of wintertime. So now that comes to another issue. Why December 25th? What I read said most likely it is because Christians wanted to replace a pagan holiday that was around December, toward December 25th. And that's the only thing that I read that made sense. Did you happen to read something similar? Yes. Typically what I've been told is that Constantine, when he converted to Christianity or made Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire, that he changed a festival called the Birth of the Invincible Sun. S-U-N, S-U-N, to a festival to highlight the birth of the sun, S-O-N. S-O-N. He took in that pagan holiday and converted that to a Christian holiday. And so I don't, I don't believe December 25th is the date that Jesus was born. But as I remember Dr. Meeks telling us, or at least telling my class at Blue Mountain College, he said it may not be the date, but it's it's a good day. Yeah. It's a yeah. good day to celebrate That's right. the birth That's of right. Jesus Christ. And it's a day that we've celebrated for years. And so there's there's history that goes along with that. There's tradition that goes with that. And so we we want to celebrate his birth. And this is a day that we can we can do so. I agree. It's not about the date. It's about what we're celebrating, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I've got a question. Okay. Before you go on, I go can ahead. tell you were about to go <laughs> I on. I was going to ask you a question, but you go first. <laughs> what are the 12 
days of Christmas. 12 days of, dude, I don't have any idea. I can't tell you the 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, the 12 days of Christmas are those most important days that Hallmark plays all of their, <laughs> no, that's that's what my wife would say more than <laughs> The 12 days of Christmas are the period of time between when the Roman Catholic Church celebrated uh, the birth of Jesus and when the Eastern Orthodox Church celebrates oh. the birth of Jesus. I thought you were talking about that song on the 12 days of Christmas, much your love gave to me. That's what I thought but you were talking about. No, nope. that's it. I'm retiring from singing. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's 12 days between, 12 days between December 25th and January the 7th. And so most people, especially the people that I kind of talk to and around here would say the 12 days of Christmas are the 12 days right before Christmas, but it's actually the 12 days after Christmas before the Eastern Orthodox Church celebrates their, their Christmas day on January the 7th. I got you. All right, Thomas, when we're thinking about the biblical event of the Christmas story, uh, what are some things that, that, that jump out to you from the biblical story? Timing. 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 It was in perfect timing is what you're alluding That's to, right? right? That is correct. Many of the times the Bible refers to the timing of his birth. They say it was, it was the perfect time that God did so. And when you look at how everything was put in order, even God using someone to call a, a census aligns with Old Testament prophecy so that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem instead of Nazareth where they were. You know, and you can even predate that event a little bit. Um, uh, sometime back, now, Thomas, all of our podcast listeners know that you do not watch secular television. True. So the other day I was watching a National True Geographic program. <laughs> the other day I was watching a National Ge Geographic program that was searching for the tomb of Alexander the Great. And as I was watching this, my mind continually went back to Alexander the Great and what he did in the Hellenization of, of the outlying areas and how the Greek language was spread. And some people will even say Alexander the Great had to do what he did for the purpose of the New Testament and the New Testament being written in Greek and then the distribution and then everything that went on from there. So, yeah, God's timing is perfect. And I, I like what you said in timing. And even with the Romans being in power at the time, Pax Romana, there is this peace that is happening within the within the world. There's roads. There, there are just a lot of other things that allow for for his birth to happen, but then also for the propagation of the gospel after that. And so it's timing is all is critical. Yeah. And it's yeah. interesting to look at. You know, whenever I read through the Christmas story, I think about what it says about about Mary, how often she pondered these things in her heart. I wonder, was Mary, if Mary were to be living in today's time, would she be a Bible journaler? Would she be who would she be? You know, if she is in our world today, I definitely think she's a deep thinker. She had a lot on her, probably at a young age. What what's the age you were told that Mary possibly was when Christ was born? I've heard that she could be really young. Yeah, like maybe even 14-ish. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say 14 or 15. I, of course, I don't think we really know, but 
Yeah, and it was a different culture, you know. Th- and even even from from my grandparents' culture today, you know, yeah, things my, things have changed. My great grandmother, she was married at fourteen. Yeah, yeah. And so for a fourteen year old young lady, hey, let's even say a seventeen year old young lady, to so many times for so many times she thought about and she pondered and the beautiful songs we see in the New Testament revolving uh, around the birth of Christ. Oh, it's just beautiful. I would have loved to have known Mary and to see what type of person she was. And, and Joseph was there. Uh, bless his heart. Uh, well, I don't think we have any speaking lines of Joseph in Scripture. And one person I read said, as often as we see him in Scripture, he was sleeping. The Lord came to him in a dream. The Lord spoke to him in a vision. And uh, But Joseph and Mary were instrumental in God's leadership in their lives. One of the interesting things that, that you've mentioned for me is that I love the Gospel of Luke. I spent a few years preaching through the yeah. Gospel of Luke. And Luke is the one who records that Mary pondered this. She pondered this in her heart. And he would mention that, I think, on at least two times that she has pondered something. How would Luke know that? It was easy. It's the inspiration of the Spirit of the Lord. That's how he knew it. He was divinely inspired to write what God wanted him to write, uh, and he used the exact words for that. <laughs> that is the most Sunday school answer that I've heard. Amen, I believe, brother. I've I been believe, to Sunday school. <laughs> I believe that wholeheartedly, but yeah. uh, <laughs> you know that reminds me of that reminds me of a story about a little boy who was in Sunday school and the teacher sit was trying to bring, bring a different kind of point and was saying, you know, what is Brown? What is small Brown furry and eats nuts. And the little boy was thinking for just a moment and he kind of raised his hand. He said, I really don't know. He said, it sounds an awfully lot like a squirrel, but it's got to be Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it just has to be. <laughs> uh, because that's the Sunday school answer, right? Well, I, many scholars believe that Luke asked her personally. Remember, he says that he, he talked to eyewitnesses, eyewitness accounts. And so they believe that Luke uh, may have asked her personally and she said, you know, I thought on this. Yeah. And he he writes it down. I it, she pondered it in her heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well that, that that that's an interesting thought. You know, that's one of those things, Thomas. Whenever we get to heaven, I want you to write that down, put that in your pocket. Whenever you get to heaven, say, All right, Lord, I sure am curious about this and see what the Lord tells you about it. Speaking of that, we're gonna be able to ask questions in heaven, or is that gonna be one of the things we're gonna just have that knowledge? What are your thoughts? I think we will ask questions. I think I, I sure hope so. No, this is completely off subject. Okay. Uh, I think, I believe there are some people who might think we would be omniscient in heaven, that we will have all knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's the case. I don't, I don't either. I don't think we're going to have, I think we're going to have better knowledge than we do now. Because right now we see in a mirror dimly. Yeah. But then... But then face-to-face, we will know even as we are fully known. And, and to so, support your theory, we're not going to be all powerful. We're not going to be omniscient, you know, or we're not going, we're not going to be omnipresent. No, so, yeah, yeah, I agree yeah. with you. So I, I think that that alone remains with God and that we will have better, better knowledge. I agree. But, hey, that's a discussion for another day. Today is Christmas, and yeah. we're talking about Christmas stuff. So let me ask you this. Who was yeah. there? 
who, who was who there? Was, who was there at the birth? Of, All right, Mary and Joseph, and uh, oh, okay, and then those who are in that cave area—is it just them in the cave area, or are there others? Are and there? I, maybe I need to refine my question and say, you know, who was there? At the birth or immediately after the birth? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I think you I think it's going to be the shepherds uh, immediately after the birth. You know, the the shepherds were in the field by night. We've already mentioned that they're they're watching over the flocks by night. It is announced to them, and that's Luke chapter two, verse verse eight and following, where that that announcement is made to them. Yeah. All right. Now, one thing I read said why the shepherds, and it said that the shepherds were just poor, regular people. And maybe that was why the angels decided to declare, or the Lord decided the angels should declare to them the birth of Christ. So I believe the shepherds were there shortly after his birth. Do you agree? I do agree. And I've always thought to myself that the reason they went to shepherds is because he is the good shepherd. Announce that to the the poor, the lowly, the the people who were not in palaces, and yeah. it kind of re- is representative of like his ministry, his earthly ministry. So that's that's kind of one of the thoughts yeah. that I had about uh, why they would announce. No, let me let me ask you this to follow up on your question: Were the wise men there, the magi coming from the east, were they there at the birth? No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, the heresy. No, I agree with you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they were there. And the main argument that that I've heard is because of, of timing issues. The word that is used for the baby in reference to the shepherd narrative is different than the word that is used for child in the wise men narrative. And also... It says that Herod was seeking to kill the children that were two years old and younger. And so it's possible that he could have been up to two years old when the Magi came to visit. Yeah, I agree with that. So really, the Magi are included, but it's uh, after or it's an afterwards, later on, 18 months later, whatever the case may be, that's when they should be involved. All right, Thomas. You and I have discussed this a little bit. Um, what of interest can we find in the genealogy of Christ? I believe the genealogy of Christ is mentioned in Luke and Matthew. They are looked at from different perspectives, but what is of interest in the genealogy of Christ? What I would say is that one of them goes back you know, to Abraham, that would be Matthew, and then Luke's genealogy goes back to Adam. That is, that is different. Uh, one of them seems to go through the lineage of of Joseph, and the other seems to go through the lineage of Mary. And then what is probably very significant for our discussion and that what we talked about right before the podcast is that there are women who are included. And it's, it's striking to me that the women would be included in Matthew's account and not in Luke's account. I would I would assume it would be Luke's account, but yet it's Matthew's account. But there's four women who are listed. Who are the four women? Okay, the four women are Bathsheba, Rahab, Ruth, and Tamar. So those are the four ladies, and uh, we don't want to discuss this maybe with all of the details, uh, but let's just kind of overview this. Thomas, remind us of who Bathsheba is. Bathsheba was the woman David had an adulterous relationship with, 
and that he David killed Uriah uh, Bathsheba's husband. That's right. Or had him killed. That's right. So Bathsheba, my my, isn't it interesting that she's there? Uh, Rahab. Rahab was it? Rahab the choir girl was it wait Rahab the saint. youth choir Rahab, Rahab the, the saint, saint Rahab right. the saint see in my Bible there must be a smudge there because it says Rahab the prostitute and uh, so remind us of who Rahab was Rahab is the harlot or prostitute you could say who hid the two spies when they went into the country to spy out the land the promised land that's right. That's right. And so she finds her way into the genealogy of Christ. And then we have Ruth. You remember much about Ruth, Thomas? Ruth is the Moabite woman who married Boaz. And there's a book named after her, Ruth. And of course, uh, she was the one who is celebrated for her faithful love, for her faithful love to Naomi, her mother-in-law. Followed Naomi back from Moab to uh, the land of Israel and eventually married Boaz. Yeah, and, and then there's Tamar. Now, I've recently read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. I'm reading through Luke right now. So over the past few weeks, I've read about, about Tamar. Uh, Thomas, if memory serves me correctly, that was kind of a difficult situation. Uh, she had been widowed, yet her father-in-law did not honorably give her in marriage to someone else, and Big, long, tricky situation, and after deception, she becomes pregnant, and lo and behold, the Lord had a plan through it all. Am I correct about Tamar? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that is, that's just striking how the Lord seems to highlight in His Word these people of questionable character, yet He doesn't shade, He doesn't try to hide any of this. It is what it is. And I, and I like that about the genealogy of Christ. I do too. One of the people who kind of has a hard time, who gets a hard time, is the innkeeper. Yeah, the there's no room in the I end. mean, he turned them away. How terrible. How what terrible a of a person I mean, must does he be. Does not know Jesus is about to be born? Yeah. Oh, man. So my question is, was it a motel? Were they going to the Motel Six? Yeah, they, were. they left a lot on for them. Uh, were, were they going to a hotel? Were uh, what? What kind of inn was it? And what was what was his purpose? And why do you think he could have turned them away? Okay, what the way I've always pictured this is more of a ancient boarding house, almost. There are rooms, there are a multiplicity of rooms available. Uh, you might have people sleeping in the kitchen. This is a festival time. The population would swell in Bethlehem. And so any available room to sleep in any of the room. Now, if it's just a small house with two or three rooms, it would be limited. If this is a larger room, a larger area for the inn, there might be more rooms, but still, I don't think it's a fancy, swanky holiday inn and suites. I don't think it's that and they just were out of time they were just they had just come too late i, I pictured as in uh someone walking away from the check-in desk and then them coming and him telling joseph oh i'm sorry those people going right there they were the last ones they got the last they got the last space that we have available i'm so sorry have you ever heard of this i i heard someone say before that a lot of times their ends were like large rooms that all the people would just be there together. 
And when you consider that Jewish people were, because of ceremonial cleanliness laws and uncleanliness laws, that they wouldn't allow a woman to be going through childbirth in a room with other people. Can you imagine being in that room and you're traveling and you look and you see a woman's about to give birth and you're thinking, I... Yeah. I don't have the sacrifice for this and I don't I'm I don't the time period for this and the innkeeper says hey we, yeah. we don't have we don't have room for that here. That's right. There, there's no room for that here. That have you ever have you ever heard that? I have never heard that. But buddy that plays into the book of Leviticus. There are certain things that you if you were around you had to go through the ceremonial cleansing process. Wow, that would have been difficult. Boy, it just reminds me of how blessed we are. You know, so if we go to a hotel and the ice machine is not on our floor. You mean I've got to lug this all the way down to another floor and ride an elevator? But oh, it would have been so difficult. So that had to have had something to do with it. I don't have anything else to say about Christmas. Well, I don't I'll tell you what, it's, we're getting close to Christmas and we're about to be eating some chicken legs and some chicken and dressing. And so we need to be wrapping this podcast up. So Thomas, I've got, I've got a question for you. And I think you have one Christmas question for me. Is that right? I do. I have a Christmas question. For all you. right. Well, you are here. Let's let, let's, let's flip and see who goes first. All right. I just flipped it. Heads or tails? Tails. Ah, it's heads. I get to go first. I'm so <laughs> sorry. So, all right. so here's my question for you. What's one memorable gift that you received as a child? Whenever you think of growing up and you think of Christmas, you might have been eight or 10 years old, what's a gift? Let me share mine with you. And while you're thinking, I was in the fourth grade. I remember what grade I was in. Miss Roberts at Costas Elementary was my teacher. I'm pretty sure. But at Christmas break, my mom and dad got me a 20-gauge shotgun. It was a single-shot shotgun, and I was so excited. It was my very first own my own gun, my first gun. And, uh, and I remember having those, the pack of shells and I'd go outside and shoot at birds and all that kind of stuff. Ended up killing a few rabbits with that gun. And I remember that 20 gauge shotgun. Well, what about you, Thomas? I guess for me, it would be something similar. It wasn't a 20 gauge, but, but when I was young, my dad got me a single shot 410. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and I remember going out that day and and us shooting the 410 you know him putting it helping me get it on my shoulder i was small and pulling the hammer back and telling me how to decock it and and all of those things and and i remember i let the hammer drop too fast as i was decocking it on one of them and and did it shoot? And it shot. It shot. It oh, shot. Man. Yeah. yeah. But you know, that's almost like a rite of passage, a rite of manhood. I'm a man. I have a gun. I can kill things. And yeah. <laughs> I can go kill dinner for this evening. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, okay, so my question is, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Ooh, favorite Christmas movie. Now, you know, there's a lot of discussion about that. What qualifies as a Christmas movie? And some will want to say Die Hard and anything that takes place on a in a Christmas setting. That's a bunch of garbage. I'm going to go, I've never watched Die Hard, but I'm going to go with something that is traditional. Here's my answer. It's a wonderful life. I love it's a wonderful life. For Eric, for the Haynes family, it ain't Christmas until we've gathered around and watched it's a wonderful life. So that's what it is for me. How about you? 
A Christmas story. A Christmas story. <laughs> I love a Christmas story. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. Have you not? <laughs> I never have. No. Red Rider, BB gun. Uh, uh, yeah. You could tell me all about it. I've never seen it. Yeah. I've never watched. As I was a child, I remember it being on the television, but I've never watched it. Uh, about two years ago, uh, one of some of our best friends from Trinity Baptist Church, uh, he's one of our deacons, he was chairman of deacons then, he's making fun of me, telling me I ought to watch that movie. So I decided I was going to watch that movie. I got about 15 minutes into it and said, ah, I just can't take it. And so I've never watched it, man. Dude, at the end, when they cut off that goose, is it a goose? Yeah, it's a goose. I think yeah. a goose's head. A goose's head. And then the Chinese people come out and start the singing Chinese Deck people? the Halls. <laughs> Deck the Halls with bars of Howie. Maybe I need to watch it. And then he goes, he goes, this fa la 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 la. So is it a comedy? It's a comedy. Oh, I didn't know that. It's a yeah. comedy, okay. yes. Yeah. It's, oh, that's it is hilarious. <laughs> it is so funny. And it, the narration is what makes it so good. Yeah. But that, yeah, that's a great Christmas, great Christmas movie. Thomas, I hope that you have a great Christmas, you and your wife and children. I hope that y'all have a, such a great time. You're a good friend. It's been a, it's been a good Christmas season. Join us again for another Ministry Marks podcast. Mm-hmm.